Yeah, so the worship team said, Steve, you got to dance when you're coming up on the platform. That was me dancing. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, good morning. I'm Steve. I'm one of the ministers here at Discover. I'm glad you're with us here in the building. Glad you're checking us out online, so uh, thanks for that. Today we're in the third week of our four-week series called Bucket List, four exciting or amazing things to experience before you leave the planet. Um, and as you can see, our VBS begins tomorrow. This is awesome. Uh, it's called Building You. And guess what? We're going to discover in VBS God's unique plan just for us. And I, I am a visual kind of experiential kind of person. So to me, these things up here are really good. And this fountain right now is just reminding me of God's grace pouring over us. It's not reminding me of anything else. It's reminding me of God's grace and his, his mercy and his blessings that are just pouring over our vacation Bible school. So we're really excited about that. Now, as we began this uh, series, um, I put out on Facebook, I just said, hey, could you just put some, uh, some things that you have on your bucket list? And people responded. And we're trying to do them kind of by category. So these are the ones that we have for this week. So a couple of uh, bucket list, well, about 10 of them, bucket list things. Um, wow, this is a pretty great one to start with. See three people I know come to faith in Jesus Christ. Get married. Yeah, it's on their bucket list. This one says, uh, not irrevocably screw up my kids. Okay. <laughs> that was written by every parent. Um, help someone who cannot return the favor. Oh, that's good. Uh, this one says, get to a point where fear doesn't stop me from being, or I'm sorry, from what I feel I'm being called led to do. Uh, so get to a point where fear doesn't stop me from doing what I'm being called to do. That's good. Wow. Save someone's life. Uh, when my kids are older, go back to work in a job that makes me feel like I'm using all the parts of my brain. <laughs> Adopt a child. And the last one says, uh, find a place to serve that is outside my cocoon. So, wow, a lot of good stuff there. Um, a lot of things about purpose. And again, that's our topic for today. Um, in Rick Warren's book, a lot of you have read it called Purpose Driven Life, What on Earth Am I Here For? This is how he begins it. It's not about you. The purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment, your peace of mind, or even your happiness. It's far greater than your family, your career, or even your wildest dreams and ambitions. If you want to know why you were placed on this planet, you must begin with God. You were born by his purpose and for his purpose. I agree with that 100%. It is about God. But here's what's interesting. It's called your purpose, right? So what happens is God made you in a unique way. And God says, this is about me, but I'm going to share this aboutness with you, and I want you to be a part of what I'm doing. So it's all about God, but God includes you. And when you and God work together, man, amazing, great things can happen. So when you say that, okay, right, well, then that brings you to this important question, then how do we know what our purpose is? Well, I want to share, start off with some really good news. The purpose for all of us at the very beginning is exactly the same, which is good news. It's, it's really simple. Um, and it, it shows itself in a variety of ways, but it's all one purpose. And one place that the Bible talks about this is in the book of Romans. And a guy named Paul, who was a follower of Jesus, one of the apostles, he wrote this letter to the people in the church at Rome. 
And this is what he talks about, and it's all about purpose. So it starts in uh, chapter 12. Uh, We're going to start off in verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, when we see this, this word there, the very first word is what? Therefore. And I had a professor once that said, when you see that word, you have to ask this question. What's the therefore? Therefore. All right? It just helps you to remember, you know what? There's something that came before this. This word is a transition word. It's between what happened and what we do in response to it. Okay? So, really important. So, what comes before this is 11 chapters. It's really good material. Basically, what Paul says in those 11 chapters is this. God made us, and we messed things up. And God can't be around things that are messed up. And we can't change our messed upness, and God can't change his, I can't be around messed upness. (laughs) Okay? So, what happens then, here's something God can do. God can take his perfection and substitute it for our imperfection. And that's what God did. God in the flesh, Jesus, came to earth, lived a perfect life, died for us, and was risen. He rose again. And so God fixes that. That was the purpose that Jesus had. So that is the first 11 chapters. And then after all of that, Paul says, therefore, because of all of that, this is what you need to do. You need to offer your bodies and, and have your minds transformed by God. So he says, mind and body. Verse 1, he says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. That's kind of hard for us to understand. I love the way that uh, it, the, the message paraphrase says it. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. So everything we do with our bodies, with our our physical presence, should just be done to honor God. So that's the first part of it. In in verse 2, he says that we need to have our minds renewed. Now, I don't know about you, but there are definitely days when I think, man, I could use a new mind, you know? (laughs) This one's pretty worn out. I need a new one. Um, But what does that mean? What does it mean to renew our minds? Well, Paul kind of helps us out as he gives us two key words here. He uses the word conform and the word transform. And as he talks about the word conform, this is what he's saying. When you are conformed, that means that you are looking at the external things, the stuff that's going on in the world, the political trends, the the things that are happening, the the way that the wind is blowing. And you say, you know what, I'm going to squeeze myself, as J.B. Phillips said, I'm going to squeeze myself into the mold that the world has. I'm going to become like the world. Well, the problem is the world doesn't have it right. And when we squeeze ourselves into the mold that's wrong, then we are becoming wrong. And again, when we make those kind of decisions and we follow the world instead of God, then we have a problem because God can't be around the things that are wrong. Instead of looking at what the world has externally and and shaping ourselves to that, Transform is exactly the opposite. People who follow Jesus miraculously have God, the Holy Spirit, living in their lives. And because of that, the transformation takes place 
not from the outside in, but from the inside out. And it's a complete change. It's a metamorphosis is where we get the word uh, that we use. It's talking about how God completely changes your thoughts, your behavior, your, 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 the way that you process things is totally different. It's transformed. Big, big difference between conforming to the world and being transformed by God. And, and God moves us then toward that perfection and toward that complete restoration. So see, that's our general purpose, to, to offer our bodies every day, to say, God, it's about you. Here I am. And to have God transform us to be more like him. That's the purpose that all of us have here on earth. And that really kind of manifests itself in a lot of different ways. Here are some of the ways that the Bible talks about this general purpose that we all have. Matthew 28. Make disciples, baptize them, and teach them. Matthew 25. You, you care for the hungry and thirsty and the strangers and the naked and people that are in prison. In James chapter 1, you, you look after widows and orphans, and, and you make sure that you are not polluted by the world. Micah chapter 6, you act justly, you love mercy, you walk humbly with God. Romans 12, you do absolutely everything that you can to live at peace with everyone. 1 Peter 4, you share your God-given gifts very generously with everyone. Ephesians 4, you speak the truth in love. Matthew 5, you are the salt and light to the world. Mark 12, you love God and you love people. You do those things and you're living a fantastic, purpose-filled life. And that, that general purpose then leads to discovering your specific purpose. You got to get the general purpose first, then that leads <clears throat> to the specific purpose. Let's say that there are two guys... Um, Bill and Fred. And Bill and Fred work at a widget factory, so their job is to make widgets. Now, Bill is a really dynamic guy. He's really got a lot of gifts, but Bill doesn't seem to be very committed to making widgets. I mean, he, he shows up to work late. Sometimes he just doesn't show up at all. When Bill is there, he has a tendency to take a lot of breaks, and they're long. And, and when Bill takes breaks, he always walks around and he talks to other people and he gets them talking about things that have nothing to do with widget making. He gets them all doing other things. And when Bill is trying to make widgets, he really can't concentrate on it. He doesn't focus very well on it. And Bill is just honestly a pretty poor widget maker. Now, you have Fred as well. Fred honestly doesn't seem to be as dynamic and exciting as Bill, but you know what Fred is good at? making widgets. Fred does what he's supposed to do. Fred comes to work, not only on time, he gets there a little bit early. He's always kind to everybody. He brings in donuts for people. Fred is, stays at his post, and, and when he's there, man, he focuses on making widgets. Now, Fred takes breaks because he knows you need to do that. In fact, the company says, would you get some rest so you can be ready to do a better job making widgets? So he takes his breaks. No question about it. But when he is on task, man, Fred is on task. Fred, is, is he just rocks it when he makes his widgets. So you then are the manager of the widget factory. And 
a position opens up. And it's for something very specific within the factory. And you have to decide between Bill and Fred. Well, who are you going to choose? See, that's kind of how it works with your specific purpose. When you follow God's general purpose, then He's going to give you something specific. When you're doing what God asks generally, God then reveals specific plans and purposes for your life. Now, I know this is kind of like, what? But let's think of this in really practical terms. A question that a lot of people have is this. Who am I supposed to marry? Who am I supposed to marry? I mean, there's that one person that's specifically designed for me, and I'm specifically designed for them, and we need to get married. I need to make sure I have the right person. Well, as, as nice as that sounds, I, I just don't think that's true, and here's why. If that's the case, then one person choosing the wrong spouse messes it up for everybody. Because if this person is supposed to marry this person, but they accidentally marry this person, then this person can't marry the right person, and then that person can't marry the right person. It just goes on and on forever. So it's totally messed up. That's way too much pressure. And Teresa and I have talked about this. I mean, we know that God brought us together, but we also know at the school that we went to, and we've talked about this. This is cool, right? I didn't ask her about this, but... She could have she married other guys, and you know what? It would have still been within God's purpose for her life. I'm totally convinced of that. And she's like, I wish I would have. But anyway, um, <laughs> but um, seriously, I think that's a cool thing because here's the reality. We didn't do it perfectly, but Teresa and I were following God's general purpose. We were trying as, as best we could to love God and to love people and to make a difference in the world. And if you get that right, then you have a lot of other options. I, I think it, it is important, you know, that couples fit, you know, the, the experiences that you have, the passions that you have, the things that you want to do, your goals. I think those things are important. I'm not minimizing that. What I'm saying is if you don't have the first part, the general purpose right, it doesn't matter what this is. See, if two people get along really well, and they seem to have a lot in common, but one of them is a follower of Jesus, and the other one isn't, they're not supposed to get married. Now, I know that sounds harsh, but it's just a reality, because you have to have your general purpose right first. Not be unequally yoked is the way that the Bible talks about that. Now, I know God's worked in all kinds of circumstances. I get that. But that's not the original plan. See, it's just kind of odd that, that a couple would say, well, I know we're supposed to both be loving God, and we're supposed to be following Jesus as revealed to us in the New Testament, and, and we're supposed to, to love God with all of our hearts and love people and, and try to make a difference in the world, but we're just not there yet. Still, God, would you do this really cool thing? When we get married, would you just bless us like crazy and, and just give us all of the opportunities that we want and, and just, you know, make sure that there's nothing ever that comes into our marriage as a challenge? 
Would that be okay? See, again, this is one example. I don't want us to just think that this is a marriage message. It's not. This is an example of what it is to live out God's purpose. You live the general purpose first, and then God reveals his specific purpose. It's tough, but it's good. Because what happens is when, you, when you're living the general purpose, then God gives you the specific purpose. And it's wonderful. It's amazing. It's full of joy and peace and, and glory. It's wonderful. But if, but if you're trying to do something specifically, whether it's marriage or anything else, and you look at it in light of what God asks you to do generally, and this doesn't fit with this, then this is not from God. That's what I'm trying to say. Does that make sense? You can't say, God, I know I'm supposed to be doing this. This other thing I want to do doesn't fit, but still, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to do it anyway. That doesn't work. you got to have the general purpose right. Get that first. Then God will begin to reveal that specific thing in an amazing way. Okay, so that brings us to the rest of Romans chapter 12, at least a few more verses. Because here's how this works. The second half of verse 2 says this. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Okay, the word then is like the word therefore. It means that something came before it, right? So what he's saying is this. First, offer your lives to God. Every day when you wake up, say, God, this is about you. And God, would you transform me? Renew me. To be more like Jesus. And then, that's what the word is, then you'll be able to understand God's will. You get the general right and God reveals the specific. And here's what's beautiful about that. Whatever specific things God has for you are not the same specific things that he has for me. This is where it gets really cool. And this is what it says in the very next verse. Verse 4. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. God talks, or Paul talks about this idea more in the same chapter when he was talking about the, the different gifts of the body. And he says, you know, how horrible would it be if we were all the same? Like if every part of your body was an eye. That would be horrible. What if your whole body was an ear? That doesn't work. you got to have all these different members, right? But here's the thing. How do you know what you are? Am I an eye? Am I a hand? Am I an elbow? Am I a big toe? What am I? How do I know? Well, again, I need to keep coming back to the same thing, but here's the first part of it. Make sure you're part of the body first you got to be part of the body of Christ, not part of some independent movement of your own, like your own little body part over here doing your own thing. That's not part of the general purpose of the body. you got to be attached to the body. And what happens is when you are attached to the body of Christ, when you remember, then you'll begin to see God's purpose for you. When you read the Bible, you, you'll be reading it with a group of people and something will jump out at you that no one else sees. And that's part of God revealing something specific for you. 
or you'll be serving in a ministry area and you say, oh, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be right now. Or you'll say, this is exactly where I'm not supposed to be right now. You know, you'll find it out as you begin to be part of the body and as you serve. And if it's not the right ministry area, you go try to find another one. And you keep going until God says stay, rather than staying until God says go. And when you pray, you'll begin to get clarity. The things you pray for begin to align with the things of God's heart. And he just helps you know this is what it is. And this is also very, very vital. You find people... Christians, people in your life group or or other people around you, and they say, you know what? I see these gifts in you. I see these uh, experiences in your life. I see this opportunity, and I think this is something you would do well with. Or you ask them, and they say, you know what? I'm not sure that that's the right fit for you, because sometimes people help us see things we don't. Here's the reality. There's not a specific formula. You just don't check off these different boxes and suddenly you know your purpose. But it is this. If you follow God's general purpose for your life, then God helps you see the specific stuff. And it's such a wonderful thing to see. God's going to eventually make it really clear. And it might be really clear for you right now, and it's such a great place to be. But if you're still a little cloudy, my experience is this, and I know other people have said the same thing. When, when I'm looking at today in today, it's cloudy. But when I get into the future and I look back at today, there's a lot of clarity. You know, you see God working things together and you say, that's why that happened. And that's why that experience was there. And that's why we moved. And that's why I got that job. And that's why that kid sat next to me in class or whatever it is. You see more clarity sometimes as you look at what God has done. And that gives you faith and trust to look to the future and just say, God, I'm going to follow you wherever it is. So real quickly, though, let's come up with a, a, or talk about a really practical tool. Some Christian person came up with this. I have no idea who it is or I give them credit, but it's the, the acrostic shape. And this isn't in the Bible, but it's something that just sort of helps us um, because it's based on biblical principles. Here it is. To, to discover your shape, um, when you discover your shape, you can sometimes discover a specific purpose that you have in your life. So here we go. S stands for spiritual gifts. God just gives everybody a variety of spiritual gifts. Yours and mine are totally different. Again, but God's going to give them to you for the edification, for the helping people to build up the body of Christ and to bring honor to God and to reach people for him. So you're going to have different kinds of gifts. Um, and if you want to know more about these, you can go into our, our foundations class or our basics class. Um, and when you take that class, part of the, what you do in there is a spiritual gifts inventory. So it'll help you figure out what some of those things are. Uh, H stands for heart. I mean, what are you excited about? What gets you pumped up? And when you look at that specific thing, does it fit with this general thing of God? And if it does, that might be something you can use to give glory to God and bring honor to him and, and make a difference in the world. might be part of your specific purpose. What about the A? The A is your abilities. Like the things you were just born with that you can do that other people are like, how do you do that? Or when you look at other people, you're like, how do you do that? And they go, I don't know, I just do. I mean, that's something I was given, Right? So you have certain abilities that, again, when you align those with God's general purpose, that gives you a very specific thing that you can do. What about this one, the, the P, the personality? Now, I, have to be, I want to be really, really clear. God does not give you personality traits as a mistake. 
Some of you think, oh, I sure wish I could be more like that person. I wish I was more extroverted. Or if you're an extrovert, you're like, I wish I could be a little deeper and not talk all the time. You know, or whatever your personality traits are. You know what? God gave those to you. He might need to refine them. He might need to mold them. In fact, he will need to do that. But he created you the way you are for a reason. And what you have brings things to the body that no one else has. So your personality is a big blessing. So just use it. Align it with God's general purpose. And then last is E, which stands for experiences. You can be in the same family. You can be twins, and you still have different experiences. Your life is different from everyone else's life. And God will use those experiences, whether they're good, bad, hard, challenging, whatever they are. He's going to use them when you continue to follow his purpose. And those experiences are going to give you opportunities to do things that no one else can do. Just one last note on shape. Please realize that your shape may be different in the future than it is today. And you may look back and say, oh, I'm just different back then too. It's because God is going to continue to challenge us and mold us and and move us in, in various ways. So our shape may change over time. And that's cool. Just continue to follow what God says. See, here's the thing. When you discover your purpose, you're in the right place. Your purpose, someone said, it's, it's where your passions and your gifts intersect. You know? Your passions and your gifts, where they intersect, that's a place of purpose for your life. And, and just going back to that general purpose and that specific purpose, again, God will work even if you're not always following his general purpose. But it's so much better when you do. There's so much more peace, so much more presence. And I'm only speaking from experience because there have been a lot of times when my specific thing didn't line up with God's general thing, and I did it anyway. So go for God's general purpose, and he's going to reveal some amazing, amazing specific things that he's calling you to do. See, when you have your purpose and you keep seeking, when you keep seeking God, he's going to do amazing, amazing things. Check this out. My name is Ira, and I was born in Russia. And I was brought up uh, in a home where we were not allowed to, to talk about God. Uh, my whole entire family was non-believers. And our grandmother said, never talk about God, never bring him up because we'll, we'll be persecuted. Uh, when I was eight years old, we moved to Ukraine, which during that time, it was the Soviet Union, so it was basically the same country. And uh, soon after we moved, in about two years, the Soviet Union collapsed and Ukraine became its own country. And uh, there was a lot of turmoil. Uh, financial instability, huge depression among the people, Uh, corruption grew like a wildfire. And um, my parents had to work really hard to provide for food on our table for my brother and I. And uh, as a 10 year old, I was just just let um, be by ourselves, figure out life by ourselves. So um, my parents were focused on work and we were just running the streets. And uh, during a time I, I 
had no guidance and I have seen things that child shouldn't see and experienced things that child shouldn't experience. And I remember those times as really dark and scary and my whole, that childhood uh, period was just wrapped in crazy fear. I remember being so afraid, but I had no explanation about things uh, and no mentoring. So, and uh, one, of the, one of the days I was coming back home from one of my adventures and I saw this girl walking uh, towards me and I, with the hair I've never seen before, it was red color. And I just looked at her and I marveled and she smiled at me and it was amazing because no stranger ever smiled to us on the street. So then we looked for her again and again and I saw her again and she gave me coloring book and colors and she was really kind. And one of the days she invited uh, me to come to church. And um, I remember coming and there, there was, it was some sort of event festival and there was gum and balloons and stickers and and necklaces and um, but the biggest thing that I noticed as a child it was safety it was so safe and I felt so loved and cared for I've never experienced that anywhere before so and that's where I met Jesus for the first time and I didn't understand much and uh, about the gospel but I knew that this Jesus guy Whoever he was, he was safe, and it was safe to be next to him, with him. And um, so I, um, my circumstances did not change much day to day, but um, my life, in a sense, became easier to cope with those things. And it wasn't so dark anymore because someone has brought in light to my people and into my life. And the team that came um, to our city to bring that light was the team expansion team led by Doug Lucas. And that girl in the street was a short-term uh, trip girl, uh, Miriam Perkins. And um, so, and um, several years, many years passed now, I served with my husband and kids and um, just because someone brought the light to my people, I wanted always to do the same because Jesus makes a huge difference in life. We don't know uh, Miriam Perkins or her, her shape, her spiritual gifts, her heart, her abilities, her personality, or her experiences, but we do know this. One day, her purpose was to give crayons and a coloring sheet to a little girl which changed that girl's eternity and the lives of many other people. Because that little girl era, as you saw, has since said yes to Jesus in a lot of different ways. First, by giving her life to Jesus, and then by becoming involved in a, a local church, by leaving her own country and coming here to the United States to study at Kentucky Christian University, when she was there, she married one of those guys who was following God's general purpose in his life as well. His name is Chris, and he first heard about Jesus here at Discover because someone invited him. Those two um, then got married and followed God's path to do youth ministry, first in Washington Courthouse, 
and then here in Columbus. And then one day, as they were uh, at a soccer game, uh, a guy came up to them and said, I think you might be cool for the mission field. And they listened and talked, and that's where they are. And they're serving in a country that is incredibly, incredibly hard. One of the most difficult places on the planet to introduce people to Jesus. See, Ira is following her specific purpose because Miriam followed hers. It's awesome to discover your purpose. It's a great thing to cross purpose off of your bucket list. See, when you follow your general purpose, you discover your specific purpose, and your purpose is unique because you're unique. So it's totally about God, but God includes you because when you and God are working together, great things happen. Would you pray with me? God, thanks for making us one body with one purpose. To love you and to love other people. Thank you that we each serve in unique and important ways. And God, challenge us to function well, individually and together, so that people are drawn to your love, your compassion, your truth, your holiness. Most of all, God, thank you that Jesus fulfilled his purpose to come to earth to look for us when we were lost and to bring us back to you. Restored, healed, forgiven, whole. God, align us to your purpose and give us the peace and the power in your presence that come from that. We're grateful, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.